So Hannah, have you made any money yet? No. Ay, ay, ay. Every time. Really? Yeah, every week. Okay, so today's episode is interesting. We're It's a little bit different. We're talking to Amy Jo, who's an accounts supervisor at an ad agency in the Minneapolis market. Very interesting. Good to get the other perspective, I guess, on what we do, because we kind of come in and fulfill a job and they're doing all the rest. They're doing it day in, day out. They, they stick with the client. Maybe you see the client for your little bit, but uh, uh, it, it's a... She has a lot to talk about, how she started out. Let's play the interview. Hi, uh, Amy. Thanks for your time. First of all, can you tell us a little about yourself? Sure. Um, I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I grew up in the Midwest in the United States, and I went to college for marketing. So my degree is actually in marketing, but I work in advertising, and I've been working in advertising for the last, uh, gosh, almost 20 years. So I spend a lot of time doing that, and aside from that, I like to travel and do Pilates and find a way to have a creative outlet outside of work. What's the difference between advertising and marketing? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. So um, we would call marketers the companies that are selling their products or services. So um, in my case, it would be my clients. They're marketers. Um, so, you know, when I went to school, I definitely took a lot of the advertising communications courses that they offer, but my school didn't have an advertising program. So I learned a little bit more about the business side of things. Um, and if you were, you know, here in, in Minneapolis, our big marketers would be Target Corporation or General Mills, um, Best Buy. So those would be marketers and then advertising would be more of an agency-like experience. So it wouldn't have to actually be an ad agency. It could be an internal communications department that those marketers have. It could be um, a variety of smaller firms that do either package design or digital advertising, or you could be in a fully integrated advertising agency, which is where I work. So um, I would describe it as marketing being the person or company actually selling their goods and services, and advertising is the group that's helping you communicate about your products and services. And I guess there's a kind of different focus from my experience that the uh, the marketers get caught up in bridging between, say, an advertising agency or a uh, event and the salespeople. Yes. A lot of times marketers, they care about how much they sell of something. They care about sales and they care about, um, you know, they might care a little bit about product or brand awareness, but a lot of times they leave that to the ad agency to figure out for them. Yeah. So uh, what do you do? What's your specific job title and what My does that mean? job title is account supervisor. And I work on an account that is, um, we would call it fully integrated, meaning we do all of their, we're their agency of records. So we do all of their um, advertising for them. And that could include print, radio, uh, video, digital, PR. So we do pretty much everything for them. And what's nice about that is that we have a seat at the table when they're talking about anything that they're trying to um sell or promote and so we have a lot of insight into their business goals and sales goals and things like that so that we can really develop a communications plan for them that's going to help them further along their business um but yeah my role as account supervisor i manage an account team and then uh, also work to manage everything that goes on within that account so um 
working with the creative teams and the media teams, the project managers, and then my account team and the client to bring everything together. Fantastic. So let's take you back. You're at school, you're finishing. How did you get your start? Well, I was in complete denial that I had to graduate from college and live a regular life. And so I had been working summers at this shoe factory in Port Washington, Wisconsin. And I continued to work my summer job after graduation. And my mom came home from work one day and said, are you really going to work your summer job and then come sit on my couch and watch television when you've just put yourself through college? And clearly you said yes. And I was like, well, yeah, that was sort of the plan, you know, for a little while at least. And I, I got a, a timeline of how long I could stay there rent free. And I decided to start looking for actual jobs. And I started in sales. It was a, it was honestly an easy job to get. And so I thought, well, this will just be my foot in the door. I'll get this job. And then I'll start looking around at ad agencies. And I interviewed, I, first of all, I applied for a job at an advertising agency in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I, I had no business applying for that job. I did not know anything about what they wanted me to do. I did not understand the roles of an ad agency. I was wholly unqualified. But for some reason, they brought me in anyway, and I met with a few people, and the HR person then, you know, wrapped up the day with me and said, you know, you're, um, you're actually really unqualified for this job, but we like you. We think you would fit in well here. We think you've got, you know, good chemistry with the rest of the team, so we'd like to, you know, bring you back in if anything comes up that we think you'd be a better fit for. And I always, always credit that person for doing that because it was my start in advertising. So I came back, you know, one or two more times to meet with them. It got a, a very entry level but great position on the account team at this agency and really learned my way from the bottom up. And that was my stepping stone. And that was um, a very positive experience for me. So it, it, I was really lucky considering it, at my college, I didn't have to do an internship. So I really had absolutely no experience other than my, my classroom experience. And they took a chance on me. And uh, here I am. Did you find that the classroom experience completely different from being in uh, the real world? Yes, absolutely. I think that's true of, of both my undergraduate degree and my graduate degree. I think that... I was lucky in my undergraduate program in that I had a lot of teachers who um, weren't full-time professors. They had worked for a long time in advertising or marketing or accounting or what you know whatever the class was. They had worked in that industry before and then started to teach. You know later on in their careers, they were going through maybe their first career retirement and starting into teaching. And I thought that that was really helpful to have a, a better uh, understanding of what actually happens in a real job setting. And I remember, I remember talking to my marketing professor, the one I had him for a number of classes. He was my advisor. And I said, I'm, I'm so afraid that in an interview, they're going to ask me what a marketing mix is. And I'm not going to remember. And he said, he started laughing and said, they're absolutely not going to ask you that. And everything you learn in, you know, this classroom is, is guidance for what you're going to actually do, but it is, it's very different than what you're going to actually do. So yes, it is. It, it doesn't, you need the book smarts, you need the understanding of how an ad agency works and how a business works, but you you learn best on the job in that situation, I think. So how did you start the, like that first moment where you're thinking, hey, I want to be in marketing? Well, I always wanted to be, I always wanted to work in advertising, but I thought that I would be a designer. 
And so I started my first year in college as uh, an art major. And it was, you know, mostly filled with uh, studio art classes and, and your basic foundational art classes to move you through the art program. And what I realized was that I didn't, I didn't actually feel as creative as a designer executing ideas. I felt more creative thinking about the strategy behind why you would do something, why you would choose a certain medium like print or radio or digital and what the idea would be to communicate. So I switched after my first year in college from art major to marketing major. And that felt like a big leap for a lot of people. But for me, it made perfect sense. And the advisor that I just spoke of, he had me take all of my senior level classes right away instead of waiting because he said, if this is what you're going to, if you're going to want to do this, we want to see if if you really like it. And the only way to like it is to get to your core classes. So um, I did all my senior level classes first. And um, and so that's how I, I got into what I do now. That's interesting. I know it's a bit off topic, but what are some of the reasons that you would pick radio or print or uh, TV? It depends on how your audience consumes information and if you're trying to reach them. So radio would be a more urgent topic. So we use it when, let's say there's been a ton of rain in California and we want to tell all the growers out there that um, they can use a specific product that we sell to help them manage all the rain that they're getting so that their crops aren't ruined. So that's an urgency message. So we could use radio for that. If we want to have an awareness of product or brand, and we really want to kind of blanket the the market with it, we could use print because that'll be a mass reach vehicle. Um, If you want to do more reaching them more one-to-one or more directly, you could use um, like a an e-blast or um, a direct mail piece or something like that, where it's a little more individual. So, so here's an interesting question: uh, Do you think the strategy has changed a lot with the the social media? Yes, because everyone's consuming information immediately. Yeah, they want everything to happen right away. We. You know, we're, um, I wouldn't say we're new to social media in terms of my client. I think that they've really been building that up and we have a great team that helps them do that. And they really embrace it. A lot of, some clients don't, they don't embrace social media as a brand or marketing tool. And our client really does. And we have a team that helps them do that. But you have to help understand uh, how, how to use that. So again, you could use that for the same sort of like California weather issue that we were just talking about. Or you can yeah. use it to engage with your audience on a more emotional level. You know, tell us why you like growing almonds and, and why do you stay in this business? You know, you can kind of engage with people that way and, and get more of those emotional stories out as well. I, I was having an interesting, interesting discussion to, to, today about uh, social media, how it's transitioned from a conversation to just a broadcast meeting. Uh, at least a lot of brands it, it, it's sort of um it's it's new and it, uh, it's just it's just interesting to watch it yeah i think that it, i mean it depends on how what you want to use it for and what you want your message to be but i still think that we find that the best engagements we get on social media posts are things that really don't have a lot to do with our products it's just interacting with your audience in a more meaningful way Oh, I think that, uh, the best social media stuff that we get is um, unrelated to product or uh, it's usually human interest story. Right, exactly. 
when we last talked, we had an interesting conversation about interviewing. I, I just wanted to get some of your thoughts as someone who interviews people for uh, uh, jobs. Any what, are there advice? Advice for people who are going in for interviews? Yeah. Say 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 Hannah was interviewing <laughs> with you. I have no qualifications. <laughs> Perfect. I didn't either. So I think some of it is super basic. It's show up on time, smile, be nice to people, smile the person in the elevator you're with because you don't know if that's going to be someone you interview with, you know, later in the afternoon. And I think for me, like really show me why you want this job. There's a lot of people interviewing in this industry. If you're an entry level person, if you're just coming out of school, a lot of people want that job and a lot of people are qualified for it. So the people that stand out to me are the ones that can tell me why they really want it and, and that they're passionate about it versus uh, there are some people who come in and, and sort of act like, well, it's just a job. You know, I'm interviewing for a job. I'm not interviewing for my career or my potential employer. Um, and it's easy to get lost in the shuffle that way because you have to stand out. There's so many people who are in this industry and especially where I live in Minneapolis, we have a lot of schools that have communications and advertising programs and we have access to a lot of great talent. We have access to a lot of great agencies here. So tell me why you really want this. And, it, and I've seen it recently in interviews where there was someone who, who really saw it as an opportunity to grow with the agency and and wanted that opportunity and then there was someone who was clearly just looking for a job and you can see that you can sense that pretty quickly so know what your story is know why you're passionate about this particular employer or position and don't be afraid to show that and don't be afraid to show your personality especially in our industry we're a creative you know we we're not wearing suits every day so show us why you would fit in here and uh, and why market you yourself job. Yes, exactly. <laughs> You're working at an ad agency. Advertise yourself. There's a lot of um, talk in social media about personal branding. What do you think about that? I, you know, it's not something I ever did. I honestly, I knew very little about what that meant when I was interviewing for jobs, but also I just don't think it was talked about that much. I think when I started there was a definite path that you followed and there were sort of stepping stones along the way and milestones you had to meet. And it was a little bit easier in that way. But I think now yet yeah, you do have to have a little bit of a personal brand to stand out more. Um, and I don't think it has to be, I, I think you can also smell the difference between someone who's just got a really pretty business card and a great story and someone who's really going to work hard for you. So I, I think it's important to have a little bit of a personal brand know why you're passionate about what it is you're doing, know what your story is and why you want to work somewhere. I have a question. Working in advertising, I, I've had this discussion with uh, other people, uh, Pasembi, who we're going to interview soon um, in an upcoming episode, uh, that you don't really progress up the chain in your ad agency, that you're constantly moving around. Do you say that's a, a real experience for you? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I wish it was something that would change, honestly, because in my experience, it's been easier to get to the next level and get more money when you change agencies. And I think that's unfortunate because agencies end up losing great talent because of that. But that is that is definitely the way it has worked thus far in our industry is that you you don't, of course, you can get promoted within your agency and, and a lot of people do, but the best way to kind of go up the ranks and make money is to switch jobs. 
So is that hard? Like as a as someone working in the or who has worked in the industry for twenty years, it, has that been hard to constantly be selling yourself? Yeah, it can be, and then you get to this tricky point of, you know, you I have moved around a lot. I have had a lot of different jobs at different agencies, and you will interview with some companies who don't see the benefit in that. They think you're a job hopper. They think you're just going to be there for two years and leave. Um, yep. I, I would say in my personal case, I feel it's an asset because I've worked a lot of different places with a lot of different processes, a lot of different types of clients, and I can bring a lot of that experience to the table. But you have to be interviewing with someone who's open to hearing that and not just seeing that you've switched jobs a number of times. Because there are still your lifers. There are still people who you know started a company and stay for a very long time, and they don't understand why you would move around. Uh, yeah, I think that's ever... Well, no, there's there's an interesting conversation happening at the minute with millennials where they don't want to stay in the same job for 40 years. So they are moving around and and older generations see it as something that's not a good thing, but they are getting a lot of experience in a lot of different things. So, you know, I often encourage people who I either mentor or who are on my team to get those experiences because I feel it's the only real way to find out where you fit best. You know, after 20 years, I can say I like this type of agency and I like working with these types of people. And and so it almost helps you find your spot a little faster if you're if you're trying different things and seeing where you really fit in. I agree. In, interesting question. Just changing direction a little bit. What's it like working with clients? <laughs> well, um, that's a loaded question then. Yeah, um, I know. I'm not giving you an easy one. no. Uh, you know, if you're lucky, you've got a great client who treats you. I always describe it as being treated as a partner versus being treated as a vendor. You want to be treated as a partner. And my clients are really great about that. They will, they bring you to the table and everything. They involve you right from the beginning. They give you a lot of insight into their business situation. And that only helps me do my job better, which in turn helps give them better results. So I think a client who treats you as a partner and really wants you to be present for everything is the ideal client. Also someone who says, this is our business problem, help us solve it, versus saying, we want you to do this print ad for us. Yeah, you know, so- sometimes there are needs for that and that's completely understandable, but mostly you want a client to say, this is our business problem, help us solve it. So then, so how do you take a client who's, say, in that second column and bring them over into the first column? Uh, you have to really work at their trust because a lot of times that comes from a place of not trusting either on you know past experiences or new relationship with the agency or they've been marketing whatever it is they're doing for a long time and so they think that you know they know and it's easier for them to kind of just go down the same path. But I think one way to do that is to present, if I'm thinking about specifically how do I sell in a certain piece of creative or an idea that we want them to go forward with, if they're the type of client that says, just do this thing for me, we'll show them that thing that they asked for, but we'll also show them how we really recommend doing it. And sometimes they'll buy it and sometimes they won't, but at least you've shown your thinking and I think they'll always value that. So even if they didn't decide to go with that idea, you've started to earn their trust that that you really do care about their business and and doing the right thing for them. Do you do a lot of market research? Uh, Yes, we have groups that do that. I don't personally. um, I do my research in the form of just talking to various, so not going outside just my direct client and talking 
to people in the field and understanding what it is they do every day. But we have groups that do more like actual research, qualitative and quantitative and interviews and things like that. It's interesting that the compartmentalization, you know, you have your area that creative, you have your area, you have uh, the market research. Do you find that difficult to, to work with or is it just normal? It's just normal for me. I think that if you're in a if you're in a mid to large size agency, you have more of those defined roles. If you're in a smaller agency, you wear more hats, so you do more things. So it's yeah. probably more blurred in those types of areas. But for me, it's pretty normal to know who does what. Wait, okay, I'm gonna change tracks again. What's the best advice you were given starting? My I had my one of my very first bosses at the job where I applied that I didn't know anything about. He said to me when they finally hired me, he said when you are working in a job, especially when you're early on in your career, you need to learn every single thing you can learn from your boss, from your employer, from your client, from the agency. You learn everything you can. And when you feel like you've learned it all, that's when you know it's time to move on. And I, I think that that advice has served me very well. Uh, do you think it's important for, uh, um, to learn about what everyone else is doing? Yeah, I think it's important to have um, an idea or an understanding of what other people are doing, other agencies, you know, as your competitor, uh, competitors of your clients and knowing what they're doing. Um, I think it just helps you stay savvy and and know how to compete. Okay, that's interesting. Right. So let me take you that back. So that was your first job. How did you know, how did you know when you were going to the second job? Well, that was a little out of my control. So in advertising, we have something called layoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I think everywhere. So um, I worked at that agency for about a year and we lost a, a really big client and we, it was in the Chicago office. And I actually knew, I just, I just sensed it. I, I knew that my job was going to be one of the first to go because I was one of the lowest on the totem pole. Yeah. You know, and I would also say like, those are, those are all opportunities. And I remember like, getting that phone call and, and meeting with the HR person and being told that, you know, my, I was losing my job and it was very emotional. I was so upset because I loved this job and I loved the agency and all the friends that I had made there. And I was having so much fun. And, and of course I didn't want that to happen. And it was my first experience going through that. So it was really hard emotionally, but I would say anytime that's ever happened or you're in a position where a job or an employer just isn't, serving you for what you need it's it's not the right fit you're doing everybody a favor by moving on to the next thing because it's not right for you it's not right for them so in that particular case it, it wasn't my choice but I, it also moved me to Chicago and I got to work at a really large agency on a really well-known client and get experience there and I, I may not have made that leap if I hadn't lost my job in Milwaukee Okay, so you you moved to Chicago, and then you ended up in uh, the Twin Cities. How how did that happen? So I moved to Minneapolis originally for grad school. So I okay. had worked at a number of agencies between Milwaukee and Chicago, and uh, and had great experiences, loved all of them, but wanted to go to grad school. And so when I was looking around for programs, there was a school here that had a, a Master of Business Communications program, and I decided that I was interested in that. Um, and also, truth be told, I looked at graduate school programs in cities of which I was willing to live. So um, I applied here. I applied in Boston. I applied in Las Vegas. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You, 
cities you were willing to live. Yes. Well, UNLV was a creative writing program, and also I thought, I live in the Midwest, I could sit by a pool and be studying all year. Okay, fair enough. So that was one of the reasons. Anyway, I ended up here in Minneapolis, and I it was a, it's a... It's a program that requires you to work while you're going to school because they want you to have practical life experience, which I think is great. Yeah, that's fantastic. And so I moved here without a job, but being accepted to school, and I looked once I got here, and I I landed a job pretty quickly. I think I moved here in uh, maybe June or July, and maybe not even that long. Maybe it was later in the summer, and, and landed a job by September. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah. And it was a, it's an agency that at the time was independent, and that's a really big deal for some people, um, and kind of a, a bigger agency in the city. So it was a, it was a good experience. I, so I worked there, and I got my master's degree at the same time. And I was at that agency for about three years. And then about a semester before I finished grad school, I moved to a different agency and, and spent some time there, about two years, I think. Interesting. So... When you when you go looking for a, a job, because it seems like you've had a lot of experience doing, uh, um, how do you how do you go about doing that? Do you look for work, or or do you send out feelers, or do you uh, have coffee with? The, yeah, the key I think that um, it, you know when I first started, I used a recruiter a lot of times, and I'll still do that, but. As you go through your career, you meet more and more people, and I think networking is a really big deal. So just keeping in touch with people you've met along the way, letting them know what you've been up to. You know, sometimes you're not looking for a job, but you want to stay in touch with this person because you never know if you're going to be looking for a job. And so you know, having coffee with them every once in a while, sending them an email, telling them what you've been doing recently, just so that they're updated. Because in this world, anything can change. You know, any an agency that's not looking today could be looking to hire tomorrow because they just want a new client. And so it's, I think using a recruiter is a great idea because they'll do some, a lot of that legwork for you, especially if you're very busy at your job, you know, looking for a job is a lot of work. So a recruiter can help you kind of uh, manage that and then also just drawing on any contacts. So, you know, if, if someone I worked with wanted to change agencies and, and work at, uh, you know, maybe they're at a large firm and they'd really like to go to a smaller agency. I might say, okay, well, I know so-and-so at this place. Well, I'll put you in touch with them. And, and networking that way, I think, is really helpful. So how did you get a recruiter? We have, um, I don't know if it's the same for you, but we have recruiters who just, that's what they do for a living. They, they work for either themselves yeah, sure. or for a company, and you just call them and say, you know, so... Uh, one person I think I used was with an actual like recruiting firm and I was put in touch with them through a friend who had used them. And then other recruiters I've used are people I've worked with in the past. So maybe they started working in in an ad agency and then they went into recruiting. It's interesting. I get, I get contacted occasionally by recruiters, but I've never gone out and seeked one out. Yeah, I would say it goes both ways for me. I, I either get contacted by a recruiter and you're like, eh, I'm not really interested right now. Or you think, oh, it'd be nice to see what else is out there. Or you've decided that you're definitely ready to look and then you call somebody. Okay, so we've reached the part of the uh, podcast where you get to tell Hannah what you, you think she should should do with her life. Oh, wow. I didn't know that was me part of the podcast. <laughs> yes. Okay, well, give me a, give me a, like a, a couple sentence background. You've finished film school, right? Yes. So I've got a piece of paper. Expensive piece of paper. An expensive piece of paper. 
and I'm hanging out in Perth in my parents' house making some art here and there but not really getting paid. Lucky for you, you have cool parents, so there's that. Yeah, right. Um, okay, so and you're, you are looking for, what kind of job are you looking for? I mean, ideally directing, but um, anything, <laughs> really. <laughs> She's open. If we were looking for directors for a, um, like a shoot that we were doing, a, a campaign shoot, a, a video shoot, mm -hmm. we would very likely go through an agent. I don't want to call him an agent. I would call him a, like a rep, someone who reps your work and says... Like a manager? Yes. Yeah, basically. Who says, you know, Hannah's right for this particular creative assignment because she's either got these experiences or this passion or this background. Um, and then as you get more and more of that, so I think... a. a a representative or a manager would be helpful to start. And again, I don't know if it's the same in Perth as it is here, but that's how we would do it. Do you often um, have like three pitches from, from different directors? You know, that used to be the case. I don't know that I think it is so much the case anymore where we bid, you know, we used to bid, you know, three directors or three photographers or whatever. And I don't know, to be honest, if that is so much the case anymore. I think as you start moving through the ranks and you, you meet with more and more agencies and creative teams or, you know, people that you're working with, your name will come up more often and you won't need, that rep is still important, but you'll start to get work based on your relationships that you've made. Yeah, I think that's true. Do you think you'll stay in Australia or do you think you'll move to New York or LA or something um, like that? For now, Australia, but... I'm really open to anywhere that will pay me. Well, so, I mean, as a director, you're able to move, you're able to travel, right? So you could still live in Perth, but take a job that would be elsewhere. Yeah. Because as your director, you're, you're working on uh, like a more temporary assignment versus yeah. being in Like a couple months at a time or a couple weeks at a time, ideally. So I would maybe find, see if you can find someone who could be your rep in, you know, LA, New York, Chicago, kind of the big cities that do a lot of film or advertising work and start with that because at least you've got that opportunity here and then i do you know if people in perth use representatives or managers uh, mostly they go through production company ah uh, okay yeah you could do that yeah. too so uh, we talk, we talked in our last episode with a, a guy who started a production uh, at Grant Spadori, started a production company straight out of university, which was a way to get work. And then he spent years building it up. Yeah. Do you have any contacts with production companies in New York from your time there? Not in film, only really in theater. So, you know, useful. But um, I've got some leads, I guess, and I, I've always got Ben to shoot me making things. <laughs> so that's good. That is good. And so do you think that any of the people you know in theater, do you think any of them have any contacts in film? This is where I start to like create a spider web of like, I always say go outside your circle. Go outside your circle because you never know who knows who. So your contacts might be in theater, but they might know someone in film. And I would market the hell out of yourself and, and see if you can get any traction that way. I will. Should I do radio or print? I would do social media. Mm -hmm. 
Build those followers. Yeah, build the followers. I would definitely use social media. And then maybe you want to do like a direct mail type thing where you would send them a packet of who you are. Different, like either clips of what you've done or, um, you know, kind of put together like a package of who you are and, and what you want to work on and send those out. See, look at this good ad, uh, ad client relations. You're, you're already selling her on a product. The next step is the charge. Yes. I, I, you know, that, that's free of charge, Hannah, because I like you so much. Oh, thank you. I'll take you out for cocktails in New York. Um, you also had a second career as a Pilates teacher. Do you want to talk about that? Yes. So at one point in my life, I started doing Pilates, and I remember – trying Pilates, and I'd always heard about it, and the agency that I worked for actually brought in a Pilates instructor for lunchtime classes, and I remember trying it and thinking, what in the hell is this? You want me to do what and breathe where? And, like, I, I couldn't get it. They were talking about my pelvic floor and my diaphragm and my rib cage. I just didn't get it at all. But for some reason, I feel this way about running. Like, I, I can't really get running, but I don't really care that much. But with Pilates, I couldn't I, – I, like, I was so intrigued by it, but I couldn't figure it out. But I had to figure it out. I had this, like, huge drive to get it. And so I started taking classes at the studio where the teacher came from and completely fell in love with it and started doing my mat certification to be able to teach mat classes. And at the end of that training, before I tested out uh, – and I thought I would just – you know, I'm just going to try this. I'm going to see if I like it, if I like learning, if I like learning how to teach it. But before I tested out, I moved to Chicago for another agency job. And I was in a meeting one day in Chicago, and my boss said, you absolutely light up when you talk about Pilates. And I do. I get really excited about it, and I want people to try it, and I want them to get it, and I want to help them figure it out. And and so that was a kind of an eye-opener for me that maybe that's what I wanted to to do. I wasn't that happy in Chicago. And... I loved the Pilates studio here in Minneapolis that I had been going to before I moved. And so I decided to come back and I I still worked at an ad agency here in Minneapolis, but I did my Pilates training on the side. And that took me about a year to do the training and test out and get all the hours in and everything. And I was teaching part-time for a little while. And I, you know, I always wondered, is this something I would really want to do for a living? And what would that be like? And, And I sort of realized that if it if I was always going to treat it as a part-time job, it was always going to be a part-time job. And so I decided to quit my safe job with a paycheck and benefits and become a Pilates teacher. And I did that for about two years. And I, I really loved it. I love teaching Pilates and I get really excited about other people doing Pilates and, and what great things it can do for you. Um, but it's honestly, it's really hard to make a living financially. And as a single person, you don't have any other income or benefits coming in. It just got harder and harder. And I realized I was trading one stress for another stress. So I either had, you know, the stress of, of busy days at an ad agency, or I had the stress of how I was going to pay my bills as a Pilates teacher. And so I decided to go back into advertising. Um, but I always say that's a testament to the agency I work for, because if I decided to give up wearing stretchy pants to work every day, it must be a good place. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I think, uh, I've got one more question. Where do you, where do you want to end up? Like thinking about your career? Honestly, I always thought I would end up being a college professor and teaching advertising. So doing what my professors did for me when I was in college. 
So I would love to, to, you know, work a little bit longer in an ad agency, really collect all of the experiences and information that I can, and then teach at a college and, and teach all the, the young people who are eager and excited to learn about advertising. That's, that's how I've always pictured myself ending my, my actual advertising career. That's interesting. Have you explored this? I have. Um, so one way in is to start teaching as an adjunct professor. So teaching night classes yep. or, or evening classes. And, um, you're getting no pay. Yeah. It's hard to get into that because it's really, a, it's a cushy position, right? Like people get to teach a class yep. here and there and no big deal. Um, but they, so they're hard to come by. So I explored it for quite a while. And then my, I would say my advertising career got busier. And so I've put that on hold, but I would definitely explore it again. Oh, fantastic. Hmm. Well, thank you for giving your time over. Yes. Thank and, you. Uh, hopefully, uh, Hopefully we were too all over the place. No, it was great. I hope I was helpful in some way. You were. Okay, Amy Jo. So what did you think of her advice for you, Hannah? I thought it was very useful. You gotta market yourself, but also just be a human. Always, always try to be a human. Okay, as always, <laughs> you can find Hannah at, uh, where can we find you, Hannah? Uh, you know, at Poppy Pasco on social media or uh, at Robin Doing Things, which has got a lot of photos and no likes, um, or my website, hannahpoppypasco.com. And you can find me at uh, benpasco.net and on Instagram and Twitter as at the Society of Ben. Uh, we'll see you next week.